Cinebuds is supported by Associated Bank. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Oh, wow, 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 wow. This is Cinebuds. I'm 889's Justin Barney. I'm Milwaukee Films' Christopher Pollard. And today we are talking about the movie I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Jake, my boyfriend. It's snowing. Winter is coming. We have a real connection. A rare and intense attachment. I've never experienced anything like it. I'm thinking of ending things. Huh? What? Did you say something? I don't think so. I'm Thinking of Ending Things is the new film from Charlie Kaufman. I think going in, it helps to know that he has written Being John Malkovich, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Synecdoche, New York, Anna Melissa. These will give you a little context into uh, what you're in for and what this movie is like. Mm-hmm. This movie is sort about... Sort <laughs> This movie is about a couple that go on a drive to his parents' house, and then they drive to a high school. Simple as that. That's it. That's the, that's, that's all. Yeah. Um, okay, Polly, in the, in the long form, in the podcast, yeah. we will, it's hard to talk about this movie with like out spoiling oh, it, or yeah, I don't I know. know. No, you're right. But, um, so let's just go with your take. What did you think of this movie did you like it did you understand it what is your hot take yes uh to the first no to the second uh (laughs) i did not understand it when i was watching it i mean broad strokes yeah the broad strokes of the film i did understand but there's a lot of a lot of confusing elements this movie as i would expect from charlie kaufman who is a very eccentric uh, involved, complicated writer yeah. with a sense of humor. Um, but I, the entire time I was absolutely intrigued by what was happening, even if I wasn't sure what it was. Intrigue is good. Yeah. I felt pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. I I didn't come out of the, I Like, my favorite thing about this movie has been the takes about this movie. Oh, It has yeah. been so fun to ask every friend if they have seen it and what they think. And I have spent more time talking to my friends and listening and to like reviews and reading yeah. reviews about it than I did actually watching it. And yeah. I think that I have enjoyed those more. Yeah. I just spoke to someone this morning, uh, one of my coworkers who'd seen it and we talked for a little bit about it too. And I said, well, tune into the podcast where we will not help you understand it maybe, but it will at least uh, talk about it some more. Yeah. I think it was definitely, I didn't come out of it. Um, like I came out of Synecdoche, New York, or yeah. like I came out of Eternal Sunshine, no. or being John Malkovich, thinking I loved that. I think okay. it's great. Yeah. Um, I came out being like, that's a lot to think about. And yeah. As much as like his movies all have darkness, a, a darkness in them, but most of his other ones have had a lot of humor in them too. This one did have humor in it, but it was a, a, brasher humor it was more Mm -hmm. of like a scary humor Uh, one of the most fascinating things i'll say before we dig in deeper is that when i looked up on imdb 
it is considered horror slash drama. And I felt that. Yes. It definitely felt like this is a, it felt like this is a capsule movie. Then it felt like this is a horror movie. Then it felt like this is a musical. And then it felt like (laughs) this won't end. And then it felt like, like you really went through the motions. I will say that I, I am very happy. I saw it. And I do find it to be a very impressive movie. But yeah, we can dig in a little bit more soon. Yep. And we are going to dig in. Uh, I have talked to a lot of people and listened and read to a lot of people that are smarter than me and K. Polly. Sure. That's easy to find, those people. I will relay some of what they said to give us some insight. And um, there were things that I really did like about this movie. And there were things that I really did not like. We're going to talk more about it when we come back. Stick around. This year, film lovers with select smart TV devices can experience Milwaukee Film Festival October 15th through October 29th by watching on their home televisions. Info about Associated Bank's Milwaukee Film Checking at AssociatedBank.com. Member FDIC. Radio Milwaukee is on a mission. And if you're here to discover new perspectives on music in Milwaukee, then you're on a mission too. Join today to support the programming you love. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org and click the orange heart. Okay, and we're back. Whether you want it or not. Whether you want it or not. What do you want to start with this beast? Uh, I'll start at the beginning. Okay. (laughs) I, I did actually have a good feeling when the first... I don't know if it's a half hour. It felt like a half hour. First 20 minutes or a half hour in this movie is all in the car. And there's, I had kind of forgotten for a second that I'd seen the trailer. And I was like, what if this whole movie takes place in their car? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which would have been really interesting. And it was just this conversation. That's what I felt too. I felt the exact same way because it kind of like kept on going. Yeah. And it also uh, felt like a play. The way it's written and the, the back and forth sometimes is really like right on top of each other and you really have to pay attention. And I was mm-hmm. like, it really does kind of feel like it's written as this very postmodern play. Yeah. And you start to get of an odd sense of just their interaction. I will say mm-hmm. one of my f- most impressive things about this movie is how the absurdity and the strangeness builds because it's not just right in. It doesn't really start until they get to his childhood home and meet his parents he, mm-hmm. There's a tone at the beginning that kind of get, gives you a heads up. And there's a few things they say to each other that gives you a heads up. And then they get to the house and it's very awkward. It's a cringeworthy dinner with his parents who mm-hmm. it just gets more and more awkward. But I think we can say this during the dinner, the parents change appearance throughout. They yeah. like at one point, like, wait, wasn't he just much older? His dad was like really I think old. There's like a hair. There's like at the beginning, like what I started noticing, it was like she had suddenly they cut to her and she like had her sweater was was not. Yeah. And right. uh, I think like one of their like hair was like parted in a different way. Yeah, very and it just slow. got you to kind of be like, what what's going on here? Right. And by the end of the dinner or the whole episode at the parents' house, it is full blown. Like, Oh, one minute she's like 40. The next minute she's 80. And 
even the main characters, the the young man and woman, their appearance changes a bit here and there. All of a sudden, she's got a pearl necklace on that's more proper. The other time, she's more casual. And that's when you really start seeing the absurdity and the strangeness of it uh, take off. Yes. And I feel like at that part, I was like, it probably helps to know what you're in for. If you have seen, like, I feel like if you went in being like, okay, this is Charlie Kaufman. Um, if you've seen Synecdoche, New York, I, I, that's where I felt like, okay, you know that he plays with time like this, you know, right. that he, um, that he plays with, that he thinks about age a lot with Charlie Kaufman. There's a lot of like navel gazing and taking a large look at life. I, that's where I, I felt like it's good to know what you're in for. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. It's helpful. Cause it, it, it even having even being aware of his full body of work, I was like, okay, okay. And then, <laughs> and then as you dig in, you're like halfway through the movie and you're like, wait, hold I, on. What's, what's that now? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting mm-hmm. after the movie, I, I, as, as I probably everyone is doing that, just like going online, going, look, I got to look up this movie and figure out what I just saw. Yeah. And it was, I read, I only read one thing to be honest, but I read the right thing, which was an indie wire article where, he said, I don't like to explain this stuff. I like to just let it people have it and do with it what they will. But I will like <laughs> this one is like he he essentially said, okay, but here's a few things that'll help you. Okay. This is the time where I think I, I feel like I would normally be like, we're spoilers are coming. Yeah. But this is I think that this is one I wish that I would have known more going in. It's the rare film i never feel like i want to know more going in because now i feel like i want to watch it a second time but also like i don't want to watch it a second time yeah i have the exact same feeling so i feel like if i knew more stuff going in like you're about to say and so if you haven't watched it i feel like it is good to yeah to listen to whatever christopher is going to say because i feel like there is no amount of spoiling it that's going to truly spoil this probably not but i do i will say that i enjoyed the feeling the disorientation of it. Mm -hmm. So there are probably those out there who don't want this info ahead of time. So for those of you who are on that side of the fence, you know, this is the time to stop listening. (laughs) Yeah. It was interesting. It was sort of like a a bit of a a general roadmap. So the idea of like, why can, why can Jake, isn't it Jake? Yes. And Lucy, but her name changes throughout. So let's just say Jake and Lucy, Jake is the main character he's taking Lucy home to meet his parents. There's a moment right at the beginning where it sounds like he can read her thoughts or she said something in her mind. And so, and that develops as it goes. Yeah. And like, why is that? And the, it's the broad strokes of this film is that the janitor, which is a separate story of the janitor that it cut back and forth between uh, the main characters. And you see this janitor just kind of going through his day at a school. You don't Mm -hmm. know the connection. So, as you get to the end, you see those two stories kind of come together. And essentially the janitor is Jake mm-hmm. and the woman, uh, Lucy is his imagination. It's yeah. him creating the version of himself. Who's very smart and erudite, uh, but also remembers his family. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and what if I had brought this woman home? 
uh, and how could this have gone? How could my life have been different? And something I really related to, which is it's essentially a fantasy of this old man, but even in his own fantasy, it goes badly because he immediately starts thinking of, well, what if this happens? Then that'll probably happen. Or if, you know, he keeps thinking of the bad stuff. So mm-hmm. it's a fantasy that he doesn't have that much of control over, and it still goes as badly as real life would, except it doesn't look like real life because it's so absurd. Yes, and that explains that. And I feel like that that conceit is not inherent when finishing the movie. Right, yeah. He actually had a, a scene in the original script that was a bit more of a spoon fed, like here's the connection between the two. Yeah. And he decided to take it out because he just thought it was too much. Like, here you go. I let you off the hook, which I do appreciate taking that, that hard stance. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't think that I really like cared to put that together in the movie or while I was watching it, but I did, I asked my buddy, my buddy Clint afterwards, where he reads a lot of reviews and I was like, Clint, you read a lot of smart people that say, (laughs) yeah, what are they saying this? And, and that is, and that's, that is what he said too on, on that, that explains like, you know, why, um, why she's so inconsistent and why things are so inconsistent because this is taking place uh, inside his mind as it takes place inside of his mind um uh, i have heard i've heard a lot more people say they don't like this than they like this okay. and here are the things uh, that when people that. that people do not like about it is yeah. that it is pretentious and difficult for the sake of being pretentious and difficult i get that in that it is not it's not as like straight away as it, as eternal sunshine or as synecdoche new york um, it doesn't have that kind of like larger arch to it. It's also like a guy being like, oh, woe is me. And people hate that. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's, but it's not as kind of like whimsical and imaginative as uh, being John Malkovich. So at times and through a lot of it, it just kind of seems to be difficult for the sake of being difficult. I feel like sometimes I like that, yeah. you know? So sometimes that like we're talking about it, we're thinking about it, we're and every single person I know is analyzing it and thinking critically, which like I think is interesting because this is a thing that we do all the time. Yeah, and uh, and also like I really loved the um what is it Pauline Kale the when yeah. There's a part where she just goes into the character in A Woman Under the Influence by John Cassavetes, and and then she reads the Cahill um, review like in her voice. And I think there was just like some of those like references where like I'm so close to, and I am also like, uh, it is like my life to like know these things and to obsess over them. So there was a part where I was like, man, I love this. Um, I love this scene, but also like it is kind of like difficult for the sake of being difficult. You know, I don't know. I, I do like, cause I, I am always ready to call out a pretentious thing, a book, uh, a movie, uh, whatever, because yeah. I find that I find it frustrating. I think his movie is difficult and intentionally difficult. Like he said, he doesn't want to spoon feed it. He wants to just 
put this out there, you know, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. it didn't feel to me pretentious. And it, I, I have no backup to that other than I didn't feel that while watching it. I felt confused what? while watching it. I felt annoyed uh, and, and, uh, and, and like, cringed a lot. But it genuinely felt chaotic. And once I, especially once you discover it's this man who, even in his own fantasy, things can't go right. And he's still dwelling on the past within the thing he's imagining. I, I felt sympathy. I felt then I felt the real humanness behind it. Um, and then also when you start discovering some of the tiny bits of humor, which in like Eternal Sunshine, being John Malkovich, are really obvious. The humor mm-hmm. is really there, and like you said, whimsical. And this has less of that, obviously. But there was there some, some parts that were really funny. There was some parts that are really fun and funny. Oh but my I, god! When I think I in, rarely laughed. I just mostly appreciated it. <laughs> oh my god! When they're in the bedroom and uh, uh, David Twillis is talking to her and says that they're going to be oh yeah effing on the bed yeah he kept Laughing saying the f word wow and he's like an old man at this point and he's just talking about them having sex over and over again it's really funny um that is really funny and i loved the constant references to uh, musical theater and at the very beginning it was very funny he goes he goes i didn't know you were so into musical theater he goes i'm not that into it i just know a few and then he listed like 25 of them in a row i love that so much and i like that it ends with him singing a song from oklahoma which we did in high school so i had a connection to that Mm. um i also find and now here's the funniest thing that i thought about the movie and i didn't realize until afterwards when i was reading that article he gives this speech as if he's an old man and they're all wearing like old man stage makeup like you get in high school which is absurd looking yeah he's on stage getting this award and he gives this speech this very sweet speech and then later i found out that in his room when they're in his room apparently that's a key to the movie there's a lot of stuff in the room like the pauline kale book uh is really prominent in his bedroom and then she does her pauline kale impression later uh apparently a beautiful mind dvd is in his bedroom as well and that entire ending speech is the exact speech from the end of a beautiful mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, which he talks to about how it's like one of the cheesier Oscar winners uh, yeah. from, from recent years. And, I, and it's so funny that they use that verbatim as the final speech in his movie. And I think that that is, I think that makes sense for this character. He, yeah. It, and in that, like he is this janitor who is like, you know, who is alone and who, I mean, maybe like, maybe I'm just like looking in a mirror here, you know, it's like, he is this gender who is like alone and like, and is constantly like reading and watching these movies. And so when he is like doing his fantasies, he is relying on these things that he has consumed throughout his life. And these bits that have stuck out and that he likes are um, like, they fulfill the bits of, of this fantasy and life because they have filled you know, the bits of his life. Right. To me, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's very human. Yeah. There have been like some people who I think who have taken some issue with the, like creating a fantasy woman. Yeah. And having this, cause he has done that in the past. Your, your classic manic pixie dream girl. That was (laughs) eternal sunshine in the spotless mind. But, um, but she does like have this part where she, she sees him and she, she like recognizes um, what he's doing. And also the fact that she is like imperfect in it and 
is thinking of ending things. Yeah, he's having a fantasy about a woman, and even in his fantasy, she's thinking of leaving him, is the saddest part of this movie. That's why it's the uh, title in my mind. It's the saddest part of this movie. Yeah. And here, the thing that I like is that it seems as if she's the main character. Like, it, not only in the yeah. way they market it, yeah. how it yeah. sets up, because everything is in her mind. So the questioning part of the whole movie, the character that's questioning the reality of what's happening is her. So the fact that he has made up a woman, but that woman is the one that is trying to sort it out. And the man, which is actually him, he's the one that's just kind of like, he's just inhabit. It's his world. He's still ashamed of it. He's still trying to like uh, apologize for it at the same time. So I do think that Mm -hmm. that character is the, the more, kind of hero the one that's trying the one that's trying to make it work constantly keeps saying he's a nice guy he's really smart uh you know but i you know i i don't know this might be the last time we hang out i i found it the most touching (laughs) like oh it really it's it's hard to experience the humanness of it maybe while you're initially watching it because because you're so bombarded with the strangeness and the frustration of it. But then yes. afterwards thinking about it, I really started to absorb like the sent the sentiment. I think so too. I, the more, you know, the more that I hear you talking about it, the more I've talked to my friends about it, the more I've read it. Um, it does make me like want to go back and watch it or, and, and, and I, and I like the exercise of having the debate of, of talking about it. Um, yeah. Of taking a look. I really do like that. I, I think one of the things that, uh, really kind of like messed me up with this movie is it's like sense of time. Yeah. Uh, time is kind of like a big theme in this. It jumps from being like this linear, they're in the car, they're with their parents to um, his mother's dying. He's dying. He's getting the Nobel speech. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, it's doing like all this jumping back and forth. And there was a part where I felt like movies, you kind of like feel when they're going to end. And, uh, even if it's like an artsy movie like this, where you're just like, okay, well, it's just going to end. There's going to be no wrap. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. it could end at any moment. And there was just kind of like every scene I felt like, 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 okay, this is the one where they end. And I felt, it felt like intentional. Like it was intentionally not ending, you yeah. know, like it was, it was going. And there was this, this line that she said where she, it was something like, um, we don't move through time. We stay still and time moves through us. Oh yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And I was like, that's this movie, yeah. you know, like we're staying still and, and time is moving through us here and it, it keeps going and won't end. Yeah. <laughs> Actually a great example of that, which I have yet to experience because I read about it bef- after watching it is he's uh, Charlie Kaufman said um, that ending scene, which I, I guess I won't mention the ending scene just in case, um, sure. but there's an end scene where it, you get a, a, a kind of a conclusion at least in one aspect of the characters, you get some sort of Mm. conclusion. Um, But he said, that's actually not the ending because if I hope people watch through the credits and then I'm like, wait, what? Cause I didn't do that. Uh, I did notice right at the beginning, the credits are very small on the screen so much so that I had to go back and get physically closer to the TV. Wow. And at first it's just like uh, written and, and written for the screen and directed by Charlie Kaufman. The next one is it's based on a book uh, by Ian Reed, who's a Canadian yep. writer. 
uh, as a side, quick side, he said that he's lately really enjoys adapting works because he just takes a work and then does whatever he wants to it. (laughs) Yeah. He said, if I do my whole conceit, I feel like it'll be ruined. Um, But apparently there's, there's more in the credits and in the scene in the back. I I believe that's what he was saying. Like, I hope you watch through the credits because it, it, I intentionally put more in there. So now Mm -hmm. I have to go back and just, at least just watch the credits to see what I missed there. Yeah. I feel like, like I, now that I've had all the talk yeah. um, and have like, you know, figured out the bones of it and not, I'm not looking for the things that, you know, I'm normally looking for. Yeah. I think um, I would like to go back and watch it again. Yeah. I think it's, you know what it reminds me of and we should do a, if you like this, what else should we watch? I, I thought of three different movies while I was watching this and I wrote them down because I really wanted to remember exactly the ones. Um, upstream color. Oh man, I know you love that. Movie. Yeah, I do love that movie. I love it for the reaction it got when we showed it as a member screening. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Which never stops. Like people mentioned it this year, it's it was so like funny. eight years ago. Yeah, um, it's a movie that I had to watch twice to understand. It's a class. It's the epitome of movies that I really liked, but I'm not sure why. And then when I watched it a second time, I was like, Oh, I see. That connects to this. That connects to this. Uh, there was also a similar article afterwards, actually, <laughs> that kind of had a key to it, like the one I read for this. Um, that movie I recommend. I recommend My Dinner with Andre. You sure? You've seen that recently, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It's It's just a lot of complicated ideas bandied back and forth. It reminded me of the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a lot simpler. But yeah. the ideas in it are just as complicated, and the conversation is so uh, complex. And then finally naked, uh, it's a Mike Lee movie called naked. And it was actually David Thewlis. Who's in this movie plays the dad. It was David Thewlis's one of his first or possibly his first feature film. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it's not as strange as this, but the characters are just as intense and the conversations are still very difficult. And he plays this kind of charming, but kind of awful person who has these very intense conversations with people manipulates them uses them but also just has tries out these complex ideas with them it's a hard movie to kind of wrap up but those three movies they're all disturbing in one except for my dinner with andre (laughs) they're all disturbing in one sense or another and they're like they have a lot of uh, complexities to them that you don't always see in films i'm thinking that we should leave this open to interpretation and watch it again. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Uh, okay. It's going to it's gonna take me a minute to want to go back to this movie and experience it again. Same. Though I, I, I do find it to be a very impressive movie, especially in a year where we're getting a lot of simple stuff. Yep. Uh, right. Which I appreciate on, on its own, but uh, this was a complicated one, which I liked. I'm thinking of ending things. I, it, it, we're... Yeah. <laughs> We gotta stop. <laughs> Cinebuds is edited by DJ Kenny Perez. He's the best around. We get handcrafted sonic inspiration from the License Lab. Oh! We get um, support from our members from 88.9, Radio Milwaukee, and Milwaukee Film. I do. I love them very much. Our theme song is from Milwaukee musician Brett Newski. Oh, Huey Lewis and the Newsk. Nice. We also get support from Associated Bank. They're the best. And I would never think about ending things with the oh, one person oh, that oh, makes oh. this whole 
anything happen, Mr. Christopher Pollard. Oh, who? Me, little old me? Yes. All right. Okay. I'll catch you next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>